Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for the latest school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and research. Now, to get the conversation started, here are your hosts, Jason and Abby. Class is officially in session. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, episode number three. Thank you all for being here. Today, guess who's back? With a brand new rap, and I don't mean rap as in a new case of John Vesky. Some old school Eminem there. But Abby is back, and she's laughing her butt off right now. Surprise! <laughs> yep, I rap. Not. I love it. I think we should do that every episode. Every episode? Um, we'll see. We're going to have a vote. If you like it on Facebook, just comment in the <laughs> comment section, and Jason will rap every episode. Oh I'm going to have to get up to date on my rapping skills. All right. Well, anyways, today is episode number three, and we are talking about SMART goals. Um, I'm sure many of you have already talked about or know about SMART goals, but we're going to change it up just slightly for you, and we'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, First, want to say thank you to everybody. We are recording this the day that the episode number two actually went live, and you all have been listening to it so much, and... uh, well, Abby and I cannot be uh, more happy and excited, and uh, that's why we're recording pumped. it today. You're pumped? I'm super pumped because I thought the majority of the listens would be family members of mine, which any family members that did listen, I'm eternally grateful <laughs> for your listen. <laughs> but for all of those that didn't, we... Uh... <laughs> but all of those who are unrelated to me and listened on top of it, I'm also super excited about it <laughs> um, because I do think it's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, so... Thank you to family and non-family members right. that have listened to our podcast so far. We hope to keep bringing you good stuff. Yeah, and you guys have already been giving us some great feedback, so we appreciate it. So yeah, the first episode, we talked about um, assessments and trying to put together an assessment that could uh, be well defended by yourself in an IEP. And in our second episode, we talked to Trisha Gomez, the Global Director of RhythmWorks Integrative Dance. Both very good episodes and recommend that you uh, have a listen if you haven't already. Also, um, if you're enjoying this podcast already, I know we've already been a little silly today, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can uh, hear when all of the podcasts come out. So that's going to be it for our intro, I think. Let's, uh, you ready to head into the SMART goals, Abby? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. All right. Go ahead and tell them our little extra thing for SMART goals. Okay. So we've decided to add an E and create SMART E goals for all you Smarty Pants OTs out there, but ultimately that E is to make it educationally relevant. Um, SMART, S stands for specific, M is measurable, A is actionable and using action words in your goals. R means that it's going to be realistic and relevant and T is time limited. Uh, So when we're talking about E, we also want to add that there's an educational component. And whenever we do education, we do it in the least restrictive environment. So I guess that E could be both education hey. and environment. What do you know? All righty. Well, let's dive into SMART goals a little bit. You gave the brief synopsis of it. But mm-hmm. uh, what does it mean for SMART goals to be specific? So when we're looking at a specific goal, we need to make sure that it is functional and that when we are being specific, we are looking at something that is measurable. So if we're looking at a child's grasp of their pencil or something like that, we need to be extremely specific that it is the grasp that we're looking at 
or that when we're looking at their self-regulation skills, what is it that is specifically we causing them to become dysregulated? That specific part helps us be able to lead to the M in SMART goals. Yeah, I agree, because uh, I think sometimes we try to measure too much in a goal. Uh, we mm-hmm. try to measure, like some of us will just say handwriting in general. They have an, yes. they, that they can oh, write their they can write their name, uh, mm-hmm. but you know as OTs we all know that there are so many things that go into handwriting. And sometimes we need to break it down a little bit to make it more specific. Uh, so maybe right. we're just looking at uh, if they're able to size their letters correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I think of when I think specific. Or if it is like you're talking about sensory integration or sensory processing, looking at the one behavior that will be the result of in- increased or improved sensory skills. So, But that's where establishing those baselines. So when you're looking at establishing a goal for a kid, you want to actually measure that goal before the IEP meeting. Even if they're doing it zero out of three opportunities with 0% accuracy, you want to be very specific in what that baseline is in order to establish that goal. So, and just like you were saying, getting into the nitty gritty of those baselines will help you be more specific when you write the goal. Definitely. So then that's S. I know uh, we kind of said measurable in there a few times, but uh, (laughs) this one is measurable and it is similar. Measurable means that it's a behavior that you can see. Um, Right. You can't measure something that you can't see. If you can't take data on it, then right. it's probably not the best goal to be measuring. And you want right. to add that at all? So when we're looking at measurable, you want to consider the service level in that part of your goal. So if you're recommending whatever your measurement is, you should be recommending that level of services. So if you are providing a two-time-a-month, 30-minute collaboration for the student, you should be measuring that goal two times a month. And when you do that, you should be specifically documenting the specifics of that goal twice a month. And so when you write a goal, for instance, I was making the mistake of saying like, oh, four out of five opportunities observed. But that's for like a goal that I'm going to work on with a kid every day, in which case the teacher would be measuring it. If I am measuring a goal specifically as an OT, I would be writing it as oh, the child will do it in four out of four opportunities over a two-month period with 80% accuracy if it were like a handwriting legibility goal because that would allow me to observe it the two times a month that I'm in there and adequately monitor that progress. Does that make sense? Definitely. So we're going to move on to the letter A in SMART goals, and that stands for actionable words or action, I guess. Oriented. Oriented? That's a good word. Goals. Um, So some folks will write goals that are, oh, they'll do it with minimal assistance or they'll do it with, I don't know, a level, well, in our district, they'll say level one prompt, which is a whole system that I have trouble with. But I choose to only write goals that are independently achieved because I feel that as an OT, when I'm trying to establish the just right challenge, 
I think that a goal, an annual goal, should be able to be independently achieved by the child. If it isn't able to be independently achieved by the child, it's probably too difficult for them. And you would want to dial it back a little bit because we want the child to develop the new skill in order to access their educational environment. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, we want them to be able to do it in the classroom by themselves without needing the OT by their side or an aide by their side or even the teacher by by their side. Uh, So they should be able to do whatever we're trying to get them to do independently. And yeah, that that may mean sometimes we have to lower our expectations slightly, but that's still progress that they made. And they made it to a point where now you can build upon whatever progress they made. Exactly. And I think that this is particularly relevant when you're working with kids in special day classes for children who have moderate to severe disabilities. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes we're ourselves as therapists, but also I think the aides and teachers were likely to prompt them through things. And I don't think that's, I don't think prompting is a, I think prompting is a great way to teach a skill, but it shouldn't be a goal of the skill. Or like if I look at cutting skills, I'm not going to have a child cut out a circle with moderate prompts from an adult in the classroom or, well, you know, tactile prompts with an adult in the classroom if they're not holding the scissors with a thumb up position. I would dial that goal all the way back that the child would independently position the scissors with a thumb up position in their dominant hand in order to cut, you know, or participate in a cutting activity in the class, whether that's they snip the edge of a paper on their own or whatever. I don't care that the end result is that they're accurate. My end result is only that they held the scissors correctly because that's the independent skill they need to be able to achieve. Sorry, yeah. I just hit my mic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? Maybe they do need help once they actually have the scissors in their hand. But that one step of them being able to get their scissors into their hand appropriately is a big skill, um, especially mm-hmm. for some of those those kids with more needs. So, um, And then you know what? That gives you... Now you know exactly what your your goal is going to be for the next year. Now they're going to be able to snip paper in a year or they're going to be yes. able to cut a five-inch line in a year. So yes. you're building upon previous year's goals. All right, let's and move on. And that leads to relevant and realistic. The hey. R in SMART goals. Man, we're just moving right through these. We are know. moving right through these. Actually, <laughs> if you follow this like logistical pattern, it really makes a lot of sense when you're writing a goal for an IEP. Mm-hmm. You start to be like, oh – each one kind of flows into the next. It's not like, oh, I got the S done. I got the M done. It's not really a checklist. It's more of like a grade flowing. Yeah. So, And you did a good job at showing that in the blog post. So we'll definitely link oh, to the yeah. blog post that you did um, to kind Get of – and that has some examples of goals as well. So definitely link yeah. to that in the show notes. Um, again, so that guess- will be uh, oh. otschoolhouse.com forward slash – Episode three now. Three. Episode three. So three. Yeah. Okay. So relevant and realistic. It's like what Abby just said, you know, it's just making sure we're not giving a goal to a student that's just outlandish. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's the best attribute an OT can provide to a teacher because a lot of teachers try to make goals that are for the child to write their entire name and yet they can't 
they can't form a circle, a line, they're in a vertical or horizontal line yet, and they're trying to work on S A M A N T H A to write Samantha. And so um, sometimes we just need to help bring that realistic value, that realistic projection for the student. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's where that collaboration on goals is really important because as OTs, we help bring the child, the occupation, and the environment together to create a just right challenge. And writing a relevant, realistic goal is super important to that because if a goal is too difficult for a kid to achieve, they're going to get frustrated. You might actually see an increase in their behaviors, particularly when it comes to tabletop writing activities or anything relevant to that center um, or those types of activities, you're going to see the kid try and escape. And then before you know it, they're like, do you have a strategy for this? (laughs) Well, the goal's too difficult, maybe. Mm -hmm. So those are those relevant and realistic goals that it's got to be meaningful to the child. The child's got to understand what it is they need to do. And then you help them develop the skills to bridge that gap. That's that part of being relevant and realistic. All right. And then the last one of the original SMART goals is T for time limited. And Mm -hmm. uh, well, Abby, you put this in a good way. So go ahead. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, you really want to look at in one year's time, what is it that that child would should be able to achieve. And that's where when you're looking at those developmental stages or developmental milestones or you're trying to understand the development of cutting skills or the development of handwriting skills, you're trying to look for a one-year advancement in that. So like we were just talking about with the cutting, if they're not able to hold with a thumb-up pattern, you want them to be able to do that. But then the next year oh, they can hold with a thumb up pattern and snip. What's the next step that they be able to stabilize the paper and cut with a forward fluid motion? So maybe you want to take them that one more year down the road. And so really looking at those time limited um, objectives as to what they can actually do in an annual, you know, within an annual IEP, because it's the worst when you write a goal that's too hard and you have to go in and be like, yeah, partially met. They can kind of do it or not met at all. But I mean, be honest with yourself. You might have to just dial it back and just say, hey, I was, you know, I was thinking that this is what they could do. But that's establishing the baseline and following S-M-A-R-T. And we'll add the E component here at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But following that flow and that pattern will help you lead to writing a good time-sensitive or time-limited goal that can be achieved within the year. So follow each one of those steps and you will and you should be able to achieve it pretty easily. Yeah, I want to interject um, real quick. A year is such a long time. And it's even harder because it's not really a year. It's only like nine and a half months because you got Christmas break, summer break, spring break. You have all these breaks. So a year really isn't a year. So don't stress out about this one too much. Try to do the best you can because this is very tricky. I mean, I can't project what I'm going to have, I mean, for breakfast tomorrow morning. So looking a oh, year that's out, so true. That, that's tough, but do your best. Partic- oh, my gosh. And particularly with the kids that have, I was just thinking of a student I had that had a lot of behavioral concerns. Um, when I first assessed her and I wrote a goal for her to write her first name. 
she could write the whole alphabet and copy sentences by the time her annual rolled around because once the behaviors were kind of handled and she got better at understanding her school routines and environment, her visual motor integration and her ability to write, that was like nothing for her. She could pick up on that real fast. So then my goal was not just met, it was exceeded. And in those cases, that's where that progress monitoring and make sure, you know, you keep tabs on it and hold an IEP before it gets to that point is probably a good idea. But, All you know, right. lesson learned. All right. And <laughs> thanks. Rain me back in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Letter E for smarty goals. This Ooh. is one that we kind of came up with uh, earlier today, and we really liked it because. Um, smart goals, they're great for all OTs, but smart E goals are great for um, school-based OTs and anyone in the school-based setting. You know, uh, we are not, we do not see children in schools for them to be uh, receiving OT. They are there to get an education. We see them because they need OT in order to access their education. So everything we do should be related back to the education environment, the educational curriculum, the educational skills that they need. So that's why we added the E here. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think so many times um, it's easy to confuse the education model with a medical model, but I think adding the E to the goal and understanding that this goal is to be educationally relevant and it should be within their educational environment. And that environment should always be least restrictive. <laughs> so LRE. LRE. So when we're designing things um, with our goals in mind, we need to keep in mind that the goal for the child is not to receive occupational therapy services at school. The goal is for them to participate in their education as least restrictively as they can. And so OT should always support that. Yeah. And I, real quick, um, I want to combine the E for education and the S for specific because you should put in your goal in what setting the child is going to meet their goal. Mm -hmm. Are they going to meet their goal in a one-on-one -on -one session with you? Hopefully, you know, there are some kids that do need that one-on-one -on -one and they will meet that, that goal one-on-one -on -one with you. But hopefully, mm -hmm. then the next year, you're working on implementing that goal to be met within the classroom setting. So that's yeah. where you got to be specific about in what setting the child's going to meet their goal. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So. All right. Great. So I'm going to read those off real quick for you. Uh, just as a refresher, we have S for specific, M for measurable, A for action, R for realistic and relevant, T for time limited, and our special E for educationally purposed or educationally mm -hmm. relevant. And you could say educational environment. We got two E's. Boom. Smarty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so once you've developed your smart E goal, you want to determine your service level. And I had a really, I guess, maybe it was like a poignant moment where um, our special, maybe not poignant isn't the right word, but our special ed director was um, t discussing an IEP where she kept trying to prompt one of the service providers to develop the level of service. And these were one of those moments where the parent wanted an increased level of service. 
No, oh. I was in that IEP. They didn't want to increase yeah. Oh, you service. were in that IEP. Yeah. yeah. They just they wanted, wanted the services to, the to stay the same. Yes. The, this service provider was trying to decrease services after the student had not met their previous goals. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they were trying to propose less goals and less services. And uh, so the parent was upset because they said, well, okay, I understand that you're saying he needs less time because you only have one goal. But why do you only have one goal? You had right. three goals last year. He didn't meet any of them. So why are you cutting back goals? The student needed more. And so that's where that came from. And um, the service provider, yeah, she had a difficult time coming up with um, why she was giving the service at the, or recommending the service at that level. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, you were so in that IP. Where, you to attest put- to this. <laughs> Right? So that's why we're putting I wasn't this in there. Yeah. And that's why we're putting uh, these two things together on this one podcast because your goals should be driving your recommendation of services. Yes. And so I wish you could see me right now. I'm doing all these hand gestures, but <laughs> the goals <laughs> drive the services. So um, those smarty goals that you develop, like Abby was saying, should drive your service in the sense of how many times do you need to see this this student? And in what setting in order to help that student meet their goals? Yes. Perfect. So we're going to go a little deeper than that for you to, mm-hmm. to develop that. But that's kind of the gist. So there's a few things that you have to look at to look at when you're looking at service. You have to look at how many times you're going to see the student in a week or in a month period. And you have to know where you're going to see them. Are you going to pull them out or are you going to see them in the classroom? You can mm-hmm. also see them in a group or individually or just working with a teacher to work with a student, also right. known as consult collaborative. So those are the kind of the, the three main areas that you're looking at when you create a service. Does that make sense, yeah. Abby? Does that about right? Oh, sounds amazing, Jason. <laughs> if- <laughs> All right. So Yes, absolutely. Because and, and that's the most important thing because when we're looking at least restrictive environment, you don't want to be providing too many services or too little services for the child to be able to meet their goal. And so establishing that service level and really being able to defend, um, because I notice in most points of contention is that offer of free and appropriate public education that we make at the end of the IEP meeting where you say, you know, you've developed this amazing goal, you've gone through the your assessment or the present levels of function and, you know, and have established strengths and concerns and you develop this goal and you recommend two times a month for 30 minutes collaborative push-in services for the child to meet that goal. Being able to establish why that is is super important because the parent will only hear or the IEP team It's not really just the parent. It's the whole team. I've had lots of people asked about that is going to hear you're only going to see my kid twice a month for 30 minutes and they're supposed to be able to, you know, improve in this area. Well, yes, but that's where that whole evidence-based practice comes in. Which is going to lead us to another <laughs> topic. <laughs> Whole another topic. I, we had some evidence-based <laughs> practice in episode number one. Um, we're not going to get <laughs> too into that today, but I can promise you there will be more episodes about that. So yeah, when it comes to developing your level of service, you just really got to take into account mostly 
how much occupational therapy or if you're a speech pathologist, how much speech or how much of your service does the student need in order to meet their goals? And so um, with that, it's again, like I was saying earlier, this is one of the toughest things to do. To look out a year in the future is a tough Mm -hmm. thing and no one expects you to get it right on the nail. Sometimes students won't quite meet their goals. Sometimes they'll surpass their goal. Um, tremendously and you know we always want to see that but do your best to to make sure that the goals and the recommended service levels kind of make sense Mm -hmm. if you have three goals you might need a little more than one time a month and if you have one goal you may not need once a week remember this is individualized education so trying to make it individualized to the goals Mm -hmm. so all right well That just about wraps up what we've got for you today. Um, I hope that makes sense. We'll definitely tag some links into the show notes to help it make a little more sense and give you some examples of goals and services. So check that out for sure. Um, Do you have any last things to say, Abby? Um, Just go ahead and check out the blog post on this too. If you're having questions about it, you you can always submit a question to us on our website or our email. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook where we have a lot of resources and information on these things. Um, And just keep the conversation going. I love learning about how occupational therapists write goals. I develop these strategies um, by talking to Jason a lot in the office and Jason talking to me a lot in the office and kind of commiserating like, oh, that goal last year was not a good goal. I want to write a better one for this kid this year going forward. And so, you know, let's collaborate. Let's share. Let's keep Keep this going. going. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'd love to keep it going. And we are very much enjoying doing this podcast thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We're having the time of our lives and we hope it's it's helpful. Um, We're getting great feedback from you all. So we appreciate that. If you like what you've heard, or maybe you don't like what you've heard and you want to give us your opinion on it, please leave us a review on iTunes. I mean, but if you liked it, really, please leave us a review on <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, it really helps. That us. would and be fantastic. Yeah, we're hoping to reach, we're hoping to get a community. It's not necessarily about us reaching as many OTs as possible. It's about all of us OTs getting together, um, whether it's on Facebook, this podcast, any website. So uh, yeah, cool. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.